Uh, first things first, give them credit, uh, give their coaches, give their players credit. They, uh, they again, they they, uh, they outplayed us, outcoached us. Um. In the beginning, there was darkness. Then there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm afraid to say it's a very depressing morning. I'm here with Jack and I'm here with Ian Wright. We're going to break down how the Browns lost against the New England Patriots. Jack, how are you feeling? Uh, absolutely devastated, really. Um, the whole sort of narrative's been it's all OBJ's fault and that's fine. And we thought, hey, last week, maybe it is all OBJ's fault and it's all right otherwise. And this week just said, no, that's certainly not the case. Um, there is other issues still going on. And it, yeah, just having to sit there and watch a half of football where you knew it was over was going. Ian, how you feeling, pal? Not sure what's worse, that game or the weather. Boy, the weather took a turn for the worse. The Browns took a turn for the worse. And hey, Jack, how much money are you putting on the Odell Beckham to score a touchdown prop tomorrow night? Nothing. <laughs> oh, he's good. I'm telling you right now, he's scoring and he's got a dance ready. Because <laughs> if there's a if there's a stake that's going to go into the heart of that Browns offense, it's going to come from Odell. T- uh, was he tomorrow night or is he the Sunday night game? I don't even remember. Who knows? Um, now, tonight's Guys, Chiefs um, Raiders, Monday night's Raiders, are uh, Rams, Niners. Other news on the podcast, Steelers didn't beat the Lions. Yes, Stu, take that. You kissed your sister, buddy. Is the Steelers setting up a perfect 500 record in a 17-game season right here? Yes, they are. Eight, eight, and people are like it's horrendous. Teams can't go five hundred, and the Steelers are like, "Shut and up, we're gonna beer. do it." <laughs> well, I think honestly, I mean, before we dive into this, the overall the AFC North not a great showing this week. Baltimore gets schlacked by Miami. The Browns get schlacked by the Patriots, and the Steelers shin kick battle the Lions. Ugh! I thought this was supposed to be a good football conference. What happened? Well, hey, it's setting up nicely for. Uh... Cincinnati to make the playoffs. Uh, Jack, one last thing. Have you made any money this weekend? I've not touched anything this weekend, and uh, I'm grateful I didn't. Very uh, good the, to be fair, the one that was tempting me was Tennessee minus two and a half, which looked amazing up until right at the end, so I'm happy I wasn't on it. And guys, just for our regular listeners, that's why gambling doesn't always pay off. So, uh, yeah, thank you a lot, everyone. You got to know when to gamble, Ian. You got to know when to hold them. You got to know when to fold them. But that Browns over looked great today. I didn't think it was going to hit the way it hit, but hey, I'll take it, I guess. The other one I liked was the Lions plus five and a half. I couldn't believe they gave me more than a touchdown with Mason Rudolph. So even though they were kissing their sister, I was still cashing a five and a half ticket. Guys, offense out of 10. Jack, we're going to give it out of 10. 
do I have to only choose positive numbers? Yep, as always, we're a positive podcast. When I hate a podcast, if I can't go minus one, I'll go one. <laughs> I was going to say, is the scale zero to ten or one to ten? I think oh, we may have had question. our first zero. Can we Look, have a zero? Paul? Can you justify we need an executive decision? Can you justify one thing on offense that was point worthy? Yes, Dearness Johnson. Dearness Johnson, we got a touchdown. And we gave up six. That's defense, not offense. Stay focused. We, Dearnest, played well. Um, we made some catches in the game. So we put our name on the test. That's basically Paul's going to give you a one for putting your name on the exam. No, but we made some catches and there was some positive plays. We also dropped some passes too. <laughs> Yeah, but we did make some positive plays throughout the game. Hey, Paul, if we I would have hand- offered you 10,000 to 1 odds before this game, who has more passing yards, Brian Hoyer, Case Keenum, or Baker Mayfield, how would you have ranked those three? Baker Mayfield. Um, and then Hoyer lost. Yes. And in this game, Brian Hoyer finished with 85 yards. Case Keenum finished with 81 yards and Baker Mayfield came up the rear with 73 yards. Oh, and by the way, Brian Hoyer was three of three case was eight of 12. So they were combined 11 of 15. So Baker was 11 of 21. Okay, here we go. The big question I was thinking before I film this podcast or record this podcast is, was it Baker Mayfield's fault? Or was it the offense's fault today? I mean, my grade, like I said, whatever the lowest possible grade is for the offense, that's what you get. Whether it's a one or a zero or whatever it is. You know, Jack and I were talking about this a little bit in the the lobby before we started recording. But, I mean, this game ended after Baker's interception, which was, again, I know somebody probably ran the wrong route. And I'm sure, you know, one of our Browns film junkies will jump on there and try to diagnose who, who it was. But there was definitely a wrong route run. And there was definitely an awful throw. So if you're Baker, I get it's a timing offense and you're throwing to a spot, but at some point you have to look and go, there's three defenders and two offensive players. I probably shouldn't throw the ball into that area. That interception started the turning of the tide because now all of a sudden they had, they had counterpunched your, you know, 11 play 84 yard drive for a touchdown. They countered that you've now threw an interception. They score immediately. You get the ball back, you punt, they score, you punt, field goal, blouses, it's all over. You know, I know we were talking a little bit about the, the discussions from the Browns offensive line in the post game regarding the lack of the run game. But at some point when you're down 24 to 7, 31 to 7, 4, 38 to 7, you're not obviously going to run the ball. So I think overall, the, the game was lost with a terrible decision by your quarterback. And then the Patriots had you right where you wanted, right where they wanted you. And the Browns offense was just stuck in the mud and they were not going anywhere in that second quarter. I think that there is a fair point that you alluded to um, of asking the question about what happened with that wide receiver room. Because the mo- the, for me, the two most important parts of an offense, um, and I know analytics leads this way, is quarterback and wide receiver. Because you can get little plays out of your running backs. They're not game changers um, on a consistent level. 
your O-line, even if the O-line is perfect, it takes other things other than the O-line um, to make stuff happen. And tight ends, they can do good stuff, but it's very rare outside Travis Kelsey, the Gronk in his prime, that you're going to get that chunk play that's going to be big enough to really move the game. But if we're looking at when the game's basically over, you've got Donovan Peoples-Jones, zero receptions for four targets. Jarvis Landry, one for one on 11 yards. Njoku, one reception. No, Njoku was one for 11. Jarvis was four for 26. Jarvis was no, four no, for I'm talking when the game's over. I'm not talking the end of the game. Oh, okay, I got you. I don't, I don't care what Jarvis Landry's doing in dead time. When the game is over, and we're talking just sort of in early in the third, yeah, he's produced one reception for one target in 11 yards. That is 15 million. And that is not good enough. If you want to be a wide receiver one and dominating on your team, he needs to be in the conversation with Devontae Adams and these other guys. He is the only guy with actual real investment in him in that team. You've got a third round pick, a what's, sixth round pick. You've Higgins, who's barely got any investment. No one around the league really wants him. You've got nothing going on there. You've got Dearness Johnson, who's four for five for 13 yards. Hooper, four for four in a TD, but 25 yards total. It has to come from the wide receivers. And if the course back and wide receivers aren't up to scratch, your offense is dead. Don't care about how much running you want to do. It's not good enough. And for me, that's where the team's got to improve. And you can put in as much investment into the O-line, to running backs as you like. But quite frankly, if that don't work, who cares what those guys are up to? Yeah. I mean, it comes down to it. Your tight ends, your running backs, those are a jab. But if you don't have a haymaker, if you don't have somebody that can make that third down play, I mean, at one point, the Browns, what, were 0 for, 0 for 8, 0 for 7 on third downs because they didn't have a guy, a Devontae Adams, to your point, or a wide receiver one that's going to be able to get that 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 uh, big play for them. They finished the game 1 of 11. The Patriots started 6 for 6. So even on the defensive side of the ball, you didn't have it. But, yeah, it was just one of those games where, Dearness Johnson has 157 total yards, which should be enough to win a game. And I mean, I know we talk about Nick Chubb. What's Nick Chubb going to have? 187 yards? I mean, what's he good for? 30, 40 yards more? You still lose. You still don't have, I mean, we looked last week against the Bengals. We knew the Bengals secondary sucked. We knew that. I mean, I hate to break the news to people, but the secondary against the Bengals is just a feasting. But now you're going up against a well-coached team and we'll get a little bit more into the coaching here. But yeah, at the end of the day, we didn't have a wide receiver we didn't have anybody that wanted to step up. And guys, I know that you love Hollywood Higgins. I know he's great on Twitter. I know everybody loves him, but he clearly is in the doghouse of every coaching staff that he plays for. Okay. I don't know what it is. The guy just for some reason can't get on the field. And when he's on the field, he doesn't do anything. I know he had the one target today on a ball that, you know, borderline, you need somebody like that to come down with it. I mean, Jacoby Myers made a play today. I mean, we talk about these guys like Higgins and all these other players, but I look at across the, the, the field at New England. You're telling me that Kendrick Bourne would be a number one on the Browns? Four catches, 98 yards. Jacoby Myers, four for 49. I mean, their tight ends had two touchdowns today. These, they had two receivers that did more than your entire receiving core, and Jacoby Myers had never scored a touchdown before today. Never. Yeah, and if, if you look at how our wide receiver core is probably looking next season, 
You got three guys. So you're blowing out the whole room. Saying going to be here. You've got Donovan Peoples Jones and Swartz on the outside, and Felton in the slot. That is nowhere near good enough. We we need free agent investment in there. We need draft pick investment in there in rounds one, two, and three. It's that is the biggest problem. And I don't I don't care schematically that you want to play three tight end sets. I don't care that you want to do loads of running plays. That is not good enough from Andrew Berry. And quite frankly, he's invested in lots of other areas. There has been a failure to really step up and improve. And I don't know what they were hoping for this season with OBJ and Landry, but there was no plan B. And that needs to be addressed this offseason. There needs to be a plan A and there needs to be a plan B because our, there is nothing working in that area. I, I mean, I'm going to start the fan, the banging of the drum early. I would love the Browns to go out and get Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. I know Chris Olave is a good receiver too, but I just want, I want the wow factor from Garrett Wilson. But that's for another day, another dollar. But to your point, Jack, I think the Browns were expecting a little bit of thunder and lightning with Landry and Beckham, where Beckham stretching, you know, stretching it deep, and then Landry's taking care of the underneath stuff, and then that all that opens up the field for your tight ends, your Donovan Peoples Jones, these guys. The problem is now Schwartz goes out, you don't have Beckham, so you don't really have a burner. You don't have anybody that's going to take the top off the defense. Donovan Peoples Jones. I know he's big and fast, but he's that's not what his role is. He's the so medium now, guy. Yeah, he's, he's really he, good in the medium. Exactly. And then you have Landry, which is supposed to be your short, short and intermediate. And that's fine to run those three tight end sets. And to be fair, I actually enjoyed the two fullback set. For the, you know, I know a lot of people were bitching about that one. But at the end of the day, those are complementary pieces to take advantage of what the defense is going to give you. And if you want an example of that, turn on CBS right now and watch Aaron Rodgers dink, dank, and dunk the shit out of the Seahawks defense. And then all of a sudden they come up and what does Devontae Adams do? He rumbles for 40 yards because now you've overcommitted. So, you know, a lot of times you talk about the problems with the chiefs, the problems with the Browns. It's, it's you're too one dimensional on offense, right? Rodgers is sitting there. And I mean, that game's, I think like three, nothing, I think at the time we're recording it, but he's able to, it's death by a thousand cuts. And that's the idea. That's what your top quarterbacks can do. The Browns don't have that element of offense. And whether they have to go out and get somebody in free agency, whether they got to sign or they got to draft someone early on, at this point, we don't have any playmakers. On the outside, we are playmaker deficient. And that's crazy considering the amount of wide receiver talent we thought we had 10 weeks ago. Well, guys, we've gone very deep in the offense. It's been a lovely chat, but we need to keep moving. Defense, what are we going to give it out of 10? I think they battled the offense for the second one of the game, right? <laughs> I mean, do, do we give them anything other than a one? I mean, guys, I'll, I'll listen to your arguments. Um, no um, How many turn up? No turnovers. That's not shocking. Belichick's not going to give you those. They were seven of – so I, we'll run through the stats. Time of possession, 34 minutes, two seconds. Uh, New England, seven of nine on, thir- on third down. They were 0-0 on fourth down, 452 total yards. Mat- uh, completions and attempts was 22 of 26. Two sacks for 15 yards, 184 rushing yards. And the Browns were penalized six times for 42 yards. Six touchdowns to one. So there's, there's all your defensive stats. Your leading tackler from the Browns. Was our guy Anthony Walker seven tackles, Mac Wilson six tackles. Your sacks on the day were from Miles Garrett and from Malik McDowell. Yeah, I, th- I, I think 
a one's fair. I was trying everything I can to give him a two, but uh, it was embarrassing. And I, I think this pointed to, I spoke in the chat and we spoke before, it's like, it's great having a, a massive edge combo, but quite frankly, if you're going to pass the ball quickly, they're irrelevant. Um, and you can argue, hey, that's why they're passing the ball quickly, but you, you can scheme Miles Garrett out of the game. And it's not just one edge, you can scheme both edges out of the game with a fast passing game. And we just saw it time and time again. Um, for me, there was plenty of passes out wide. The cornerbacks were off coverage and they were just able to pick up. Um, they nearly set a record under Bill Belichick um, for eight, going eight and eight on third downs. Um, they actually ruined the eighth. Um, no, so they ruined. They, was, they were six for six, and then the, that's when Garrett swatted the one down in the seventh. So seven would have tied it. Eight would have won it. So they broke it up right before the tie. Gotcha. But um, it's it's one way. It was just it was embarrassing. Um, time and time again, they were just going. Oh, doesn't matter how long it is we've got this easy happy done and uh it, it there was just nothing there wasn't stuff you could point to and go it's great and we sat here last week and it was all hey the defense has fixed it and i've made the point it was hey they the person they really need to be thanking was joe Burrow last week didn't have a good game and we capitalized on it and anytime mac jones is tearing you apart mac jones played well but he played really well we, we got, we got really to sometimes helped. you, yeah, you got to sometimes tip your cat. He made some great throws. Yeah. He made some great throws, but he was given plenty of opportunity. Oh, a hundred percent to your, to your point, Jack, I think you, you nailed it in saying, yes, you have Clowney. Yes, you have Garrett and you need those guys. Let's not, let's not confuse ourselves because otherwise without those guys, you're going to, if you can't pressure a quarterback, cause I know the biggest myth to me on the defensive side is this, the no blitzing thing. Okay. If you're blitzing, you're deficient somewhere. Just remember that. Good defenses, which the Browns right now, I know I saw them pregame, people ranking them top five. The Browns are a good, not great defense. Now, they have good players. But here's what Bill, here's what Bill Belichick did. Jack, to your point, we're going to get the ball out quick. On the one touchdown to Hunter Henry, I think it was 1.7 seconds, 1.8. Crazy. Yeah, which is exactly what you're trying to do to neutralize pass rush. And then, you know, they said is, okay, Go line up the wide receiver that's not going to get the ball on Denzel Ward. Okay, we're going to put maybe our secondary read on Greg Newsom. We can attack a, a rookie corner maybe. They didn't, if you think about it, they didn't really kill our corners. What they did is they killed the middle of the field, the safeties and the linebackers. John Johnson on the touchdown. Unfortunately, CBS, they put me out of my misery at the end of the third quarter and the local game here in Chicago got moved to the Saints Titans. So I didn't even get to see the touchdown, but I got three text messages saying, I'm sick of John Johnson pounding on his chest saying that's my bad. Ronnie Harrison on the Thunder Henry touchdown, right? He's the linebackers, the safeties. So Belichick said the weakness of this Browns is right up the middle. So the, the Patriots run a very basic, and I'm sure Burns and these guys will break this down. The Patriots run a very simple version of a run game. They run an ISO, right? So you basically isolate one side of the line and then cut it right up. It's a very basic, one of the most basic plays in the offense. I think Stefanski even mentioned that in the, in the uh, pre-shows. So they went at the D tackles running the ball. They went at the linebackers and they went at the safeties. They beat the Browns right through the middle of the defense. They didn't throw at Denzel Ward. I think he maybe gave up one catch. And I think there was a penalty on it but you didn't see him very often in the game. Greg Newsom got beat on the one great throw by Mac Jones. 
And that's what they did. They said, we're going to neutralize the edges. We're going to get the ball out in 1.8 seconds, 1.7 seconds. And we're going to go after Ronnie Harrison. We're going to go after Grant Delpit. We're going to have to have John Johnson, Walker, Mac, Taki, JOK. I mean, we saw he's, he's coming back from injury, but he had a couple, you know, boneheaded plays today. That's what they did. They beat you right up the middle. Yeah. And I know we've had our disagreements over what this means for Miles Garrett, but for me, there's criticism of the coaching staff um, for the lack of adjustments um, after the game. And I know lots of Browns Twitter feel that way, that he's being less than positive about them. Um, and I, I, I think that's a genuine point. Of We saw early on that it was a super fast passing game. And for me, I didn't see any change in the defense of how they capitalize on that. And I know that's really tough to do when you've got Miles Garrett and Clowney, and that's the focus of your entire D-line. Um, what do you go and change? But it just, it felt like they were doing the same thing for the entire game and there was no plan B. And I think what that comes down to is coaching. And I think when we look at what Bill Belichick did, I mean, I go back to Garrett gets the sack and now, right? So Garrett's motor's coming up. He knows that Garrett's now flying. I mean, Isaiah Wynn stood no chance against him after he got that sack. Garrett just beats him right around the edge. And what does Belichick do? Throws a screen right in behind him. It was a brilliant play call. And what happened was, is you can't upgrade the talent right there on the field, right? So we knew we were deficient at the tackle linebacker and safeties. That's where our problems have been all year. Belichick knew that he exploited it. As for the Miles Garrett quote, I think that, and listen, I really like Zach Jackson. I think just that little snippet is running. But if you listen to the full quote, we have to go back to the drawing board and see how we can get better, see how we can scheme better, see how we can make adjustments on the fly. We never had a, we never had a chance just because we didn't make any adjustments on the sideline or when we had time to. He's basically saying as the defense, we didn't do what we're our job. That's what I got from it. I don't think he's taking direct shots at Joe Woods. I didn't get any of that. I know that makes for good Twitter hot takes, but he's basically saying we just got our ass whipped by a better coaching staff. And I hate to break the news to you, Browns fans. I know you got Kevin Stefanski, but Bill Belichick just ran circles around him. He out-schemed him. He out-coached him. There was a lot more preparation from the Patriots in terms of what they were going to do. And going into it, you know the Patriots are going to know everything you do well, and they're going to take that away. The Browns had no counter on the flip side. The Patriots knew what the Browns do well on defense and they beat them at what they're bad at over and over and over. And you're right. There's no adjustments because you don't have better players. You can't trade for a good linebacker in the middle of the, in the middle of the game. John Johnson's not all of a sudden going to just get better as a box safety in the middle of the game. Ronnie Harrison's not going to justify a multi-million dollar contract that he's not getting this offseason in the middle of the game. So instead of calling players out, you say as a player, we have to scheme better. We have to go back to the drawing ball. That's all coach speak. That's all that is. That's why I don't take it with Batonio or what Garrett said as being a direct shot at the coaches. He's basically saying collectively as 11 guys, we just got our ass whipped. So we're all green on a one, yeah? Yep. Paul, Paul, what'd you think of the defense? So Paul, you got to talk a little bit. You post the thing about the sign in the middle of nowhere. So walk us through the environment that you were in with the- uh, with Yeah, the it's been a long weekend. Today. It's my mum's birthday today, so I travelled down to Cornwall to see my mum. Happy birthday, is... Mrs. Brown. Yeah, and you know what? That's a great, great point, actually, because we've got a lot of listeners that listen to our podcast. But sometimes we forget about it. I want a big shout-out to Keith today, who drove me from Bristol to the Cotswolds. 
and you know he listens to our podcast every day so you know when we're in the car we were listening to um one of our competitors but friend podcast um jeff show whatever it's called for what it's called now locked on brown. lockdown browns locked on browns yeah good bunch of guys over there good bunch of guys yeah pete smith miss miss pete smith left again back on the show soon but yeah it was just really nice you got john walsh who may potentially have some covid you know all these people that listen to our podcast all the time i think we should integrate them more into the podcast you know because we are one big family and i don't think we talk about them enough but you asked me a question about the north cotswolds what was it like for everyone out there you're basically looking at a village of a hundred people with no village around it for 10 miles. It's in the middle of nowhere. And then you suddenly have got 30 to 50 Browns fans, 90% of them are English, all cheering on the Browns. It is a very weird, surreal, random, exciting thing. I'm going to have to get out there and check out a game with these boys. There's some legendary tales of what happens up there in, was it North Cotswold? Yeah, there is some right, um, things I can't tell them. Tell our Browns backers up there one of these days. I'm going to get out there and watch a game with them. Yeah, and we play Cornhole for an hour and a half. I must admit, I need to warm up on Cornhole. I was very slow today. Um, but yeah. Much like the Browns offense. Yeah. Well, I got going in the end, but I was very rusty on the old cornhole. But yeah, two hours of cornhole before we had some American food, some ribs, some chicken drumsticks, barbecue, some lovely homemade sausage rolls, which were English. But, um, you know, it was a nice American spread, some pulled pork. And basically, we then watched the game. Good atmosphere in there. They were like playing loud music, like a, a song machine where you push a button. And they play like Zombie Nation or Third Down. or so The atmosphere was really good. But it was just depressing because the Browns weren't winning. And people were getting more and more agitated. Yeah, it was just um, yeah, not nice, basically. I mean, I think anybody that knows, if you know, you look at social media, a lot of times you'll get some very interesting. I mean, heck, we had a couple of little bantering things going back in our fantasy football uh, podcast chat and then even on Twitter as well. But yeah, I mean, this is the downside is, is when people get heavily invested and you have people that kind of go out of their way to make the Browns their you know, focus point of the Sunday. And then all of a sudden you go out there and lay the stinker that they did. That's what happens. That's why CBS takes the game off in Chicago. That's why, you know, Jack sits back and starts worrying about what he's going to win on the betting for the week. You know, those are the type of things that happens. And unfortunately, today was just one of those days where burn that tape because that's ugly. Now, we did. We did have a little bit of a bright spot. So we're going to special, special teams. teams, baby. Now, we didn't win on special teams. There's no doubt about that. But. Jack, what did, what did you overall think of the special teams play today? Well, after the first special teams play of the game, I was ready to fire the special teams coach because, quite frankly, I have had enough of running the ball out the end zone on a kickoff because it is stupid. I think we ran it out and started on the 21, 22 No, I think the first line. time it was like 12 or 14. I'm not mistaken. It's even worse. And it, whatever it was, it was a shambles. It was the 14 um, yard line because our, I'm sorry, 16 yard line because our first drive was 84 yards. Yeah, it's just what a joke. Just 
take a knee. How hard is it? I, I might sit there tomorrow and count the numbers for since he has been the special teams coach because it's a disgrace. Um, it's, it's embarrassing. Now, to be fair, Jamie Gillen did well. To be fair, what did Belichick do all game? He, he then kicked started it, kicking it just outside. He kicks it to the five yard line to make you return it. So he knows that that's going to benefit them in some long runs. And listen, Anthony Schwartz, he's a rookie. I mean, I, uh, in, in all fairness, you know, obviously injuries aside, I, I hope that he's not seriously injured. I know that he left the game for a concussion. So, you know, I hope I uh, wish him well getting back, but they knew we have a rookie returner. And every time folk was putting that ball right at about the five yard line, Schwartz would catch it. He'd sprint ahead and get smashed at the 20 yard line. So our return game, I mean, Jojo Natson at least showed a little bit more life back there in terms of returner. I think he's more of a veteran and kind of new to set up some things. See, that's the problem with Schwartz is right now he's not setting anything up. He's just running right into the back of people, and that's how he ends up getting blasted. But, yeah, I thought Jamie Gillen, you know, played really well today. Four punts, longest of 59, two inside the 20, one of them being obviously that beautiful slow roller that went right out at the one-yard line, and with the penalty, the ball moved back another six inches. So, Chase McLaughlin, one for one on his extra points. I thought from a kickoff standpoint, I thought he was pretty good. Um, special teams, obviously, is going to be the highest graded unit of the week. But, you know, even on New England standpoint, they didn't really do much on special teams. Their kicker just was banging extra points all day long. I think their punter um, had one booming kick that I'm not. That's the one thing on Nats, and I wish he'd have caught that one, fair caught it. It was a shit kick, and that's why it was short and it ended up rolling for 30 yards. But their two returns were 25 and 14 yards, and they didn't have any punt returns. So no returns, good day on special teams. I'd probably give them a six if I'm, if I'm being I – thought, I thought overall I thought six. Yeah, I think six is fair. They, they did nothing wrong, nothing really uh, – yeah, six, because it's not good enough to be a seven. Seven is probably where I'd say just for the Jamie Gillen work. But, yeah, six um, I think is fair enough. I think six also fair, and um, yeah, it's just just very frustrating. I think I want to finish up by asking, what was the last defeat that was as bad as that with the Browns? Oh, we had two last year. Was it the Ravens? That's see the one thing about the Browns when they when they're bad, it is full on diarrhea ass implosion. And the Steelers boat raced us week one. Then the Ravens boat raced us. I mean, we've had, when we stink, we stink. I mean, there's not like a middle ground or, you know, like we lose a close one, you know, the Steelers, that 10, 15 shin kicking contest, the Cardinals boat raced us. The chargers was a good one. Um, the chiefs was a good game, but yeah, when the Browns play like poo, the game ends up like double poo. Mm. The joke is we're probably going to beat the Lions next week. It's the roller coaster of being a Browns fan. Well, to be fair, the Lions stink. The Lions stink and the Steelers stink. I mean, that game today was just an absolute. I watched it on the other screen and it was like. I mean, nobody wanted to win the game between snaps going over the head. TJ Watts out with a hip injury. Friar Moose fumbling on the sidelines. The Lions can't catch. I mean, it is just if you don't go out and beat the Lions, I don't know what to tell you because. 
the Lions are not very good. And they just got the crap beaten out of them by the Steelers. So you got to come in there and hopefully get that win because this, the schedule doesn't get any easier going Ravens, Ravens, Raiders, Packers, Steelers, Bengals. But, you know, overall, I think just to end up, I mean, I think the thing to talk about today is Kevin Stefanski was looking forward to going up against Bill Belichick. And now he's going to see Bill Belichick in his nightmares because what Belichick did to them was a professional graduate doctoral level class on how to exploit weaknesses and to absolutely submit your opponent and then never let them get off the mat. Because what the Patriots did is they basically knocked them out in the first round and then never let them get up for the remaining part of the game. They saw what you did in the first drive. That's coaching. That's good coaching for a lot of times. You know, you talk about the scripted plays, but when it came time to ad lib, it was a Royal beatdown. Yeah, if you want last time we were that bad, you go back to the Steelers last season on the 18th of October when... Uh, was it 38-6? 38-7, yeah. Was, oh, that's right. The Ravens was the six. Yeah, that, that was uh, two, three weeks before... Three, four weeks before that. No, it was the first game of the season. That was 38-6. But it's what... where It shows us where we need to improve. Um, stuff like the division and all that sort of stuff's over. Um, but it's one where playoffs it, are still Jack, within. It's not... Nobody won. Our entire division lost. You yeah, go out no, and be, no, you no. go out and beat the Ravens in back to back weeks because let's be honest, Ravens stink. They're not very good. They have Lamar Jackson, but they're not great. If you you could realistically, realistically, you could go five and one in this division right now. The Steelers aren't good. The Ravens aren't good. I'm just looking at who we've still got to play and everything else, and I cannot see. Five, you got five division games. Four. Four division games, and you're one and one right now. You got to, if you want to win the division, you got to win those four. You got Ravens Sunday night, right? Sunday night football, two weeks from now, then the bye week. Then you got them at home. So you need to win win the the front end. You're ahead of the Ravens. Correct. Correct. Guys, here's a crazy fact there is seven games left of the season, and I'm going to go to five of them. We need you at this point, buddy. We need you. Um, yeah, tough games ahead, but everything still everything's still playable for. Jack, just in an overall, and I know, Paul, you were doing a little bit of traveling. The NFL is just now starting to just pivot and go all over the map. I mean, if I would have told you that, you know, the Panthers right now are just absolutely boat racing the Cardinals and, you know, earlier in the day, the Cowboys turn around and just absolutely just throttle the Falcons. Tampa loses to Washington. It's like, what is going on in this league right now? I mean, really, do we know do, who's good in the NFL? Do we know the Titans could be good, but they don't play anybody now? I have to eat my words on that. I said I didn't know how they get to 10 wins. Then I saw their schedule. They're going to be at 12, 13 wins. Yeah. They're, they're right. okay. Who's good? Browns are now down to a 38% chance of making the playoffs. So they, they are behind the eight ball because it's probably, it's probably not much in it between winning the division and getting that last wildcard spot in the AFC. Jack, does 11 and six win this so division? Does 11 and six win this division? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And you had seven games left. You got to go six and one. I, I, I could see all four teams finishing with a winning record and they're not all making the playoffs. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not crazy. It's not crazy. Just because it's so wide open. Of, you've got basically everyone's in the hunt. You've got all but three teams in the entire conference have got oh, 
um, own 500 record or winning record. It's uh, it's fair game all round. Yeah, and I think we'll close. This was a perfect Miles Garrett quote that I wanted to say, I wanted to save to the end. Such is life. Sometimes you're on top of the hill, and sometimes you get your ass kicked. Well, I think we know what part of the hill the Browns run today. Yeah, well, we just need to come out and absolute boat race the Detroit Lions. And it's not one so much that, hey, if you lose that game, and quite frankly, it's uh, it's embarrassing. Um, but it's more one where you say, let's get some confidence back. And I'm sure they would get confidence if you put 40 points up. And I know it's only the Detroit Lions and they have been pretty garbage. But that's what you want to get. The defense really get their confidence going. Yeah, anytime you win at home, though, that's going to give you a shot in the arm. And let's be honest, you want to go into that Sunday night game against the Ravens with as much confidence as can. So if you can go out, you can execute against a superiorly deficient Detroit Lions team. I mean, I watched golf today. It's bad. It's not Literally, I think he threw for more yards in overtime than he did during the game. (laughs) Wouldn't shock me. So, yeah, on that note... We'll let you guys get back to uh, your regularly scheduled NFL programming. Listen, guys, you know, don't don't tweet anything your employers wouldn't like. I know Brown's Twitter has been pretty toxic lately, um, but just remember, you know, we do this for fun. The Browns are out there. I know sometimes we want to turn these into soap operas and all that other stuff, but we have no impact as fans on what happens on the game, you know, in the game or on the game. So, you know, be kind to others. You know, there's no point going out there and getting in all these Twitter spats on whether you're a Baker guy or an anti-Baker guy or, a, you know, Odell. And when he scores, God, that Twitter's going to explode tomorrow. But regardless, um, it's still all the Browns are, you know, at least relevant. We're five and five. Still a long way to go. But, you know, outside of that, Paul, you got anything you want to add? No. Seven games to play. Let's be positive. Go Browns. Go Browns. There's a rumour as well OBJ might be involved in pump returns tomorrow. Uh, breaking news, Odell. I kid you not. Odell's released a video about him joining uh, LA. We don't care if there's a Browns podcast. Go Browns! <laughs>